Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Good morning, buddy, and welcome to another edition of The Early Line. It's Dane Martinez, and today it is not Joe Ranieri. We got my man Kevin Walsh in the building. You see him on Betting Around the Rim. You see him on In-Game Live. So many other places where he gives you the edge. Kevin, thanks for spending the morning with us. Yeah, I'm excited to get into it. It's going to feel like a Thursday and Friday are going to feel like normal days because there's just you'll spend the most of the day getting ready, the anticipation for the draft, and the draft will hit. And it's going – I mean, there's – who knows? Full draft, it could be a mess. But it's going to feel like a real sporting event. And it, so, to me, it's like the best week of all time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Joe and I have been talking about the fact that now, with nothing else going on – You know, everybody who is sheltered in place here in these unprecedented times will finally have something live to watch. And so it's like, oh, happy day for the mm-hmm. sports fan. I got to ask you, though, you mentioned the kind of virtual draft, right? We're going to have like 50, 55 guys. We're going to have the GMs in their setups. Our guy, Scotty Farrell, did an interview with Atlanta Falcons GM, uh, Thomas mm-hmm. Dimitrov, and we saw kind of his setup. I got Everybody has been Skype, Zoom, kind of, uh, you know, times. Yeah. What GM do you think is going to have, have, like, weird mishap happen? You know, you know like a dog barking in the background yeah, right. or, like, you know, uh, a child walking around in their underwear. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know what's going to happen, okay? I heard yesterday that they did a kind of trial run and they had all sorts of technical glitches, even at the number one pick. You'd think they'd right. be able to figure that out. But part of what I'm looking forward to, Kevin, I got to tell you the truth, is, you know, some of the slapstick humor that may happen. And for me, it's like watching Miss Universe and hoping, like, fall <laughs> down the stairs or something like that, right? I think there's going to be something funny that pops off i think that's the thing and I, I hope they embrace it though is like let the let it, like embrace what this is the whole thing is somewhat preposterous in itself but one thing i will say is like the if there was betting odds on first gm to like time out because yeah. it's disconnected it oh, wouldn't have been dave gettleman, go gettleman. the <laughs> thing is though i have to give the giants a world of credit so far now we have to, you know, see the final execution. But I think what they've done at the four spot has been quite masterful. They've managed to find themselves connected to legitimately, I think, five different prospects. Fourth overall, and the draft pretty much for most people starts at three. Yeah. The actual amount of confusion that they've been able to kind of put upon people, considering on a yearly basis they're the most predictable team. That's why there was one year – where I think the year they ended up having to take Eli Apple. The reason they ended up taking Eli Apple is because everybody knew they wanted Jack Conklin and Leonard Floyd, and at eight and nine, respectively, teams traded up to get in front of them. They're like, uh, right, Eli right. Apple. Just, I mean, that's the one thing about the Giants. So who knows? Maybe Dave Gettleman will end up and is going to be like all over it. Well, that, of course, is possible. That's part of why we're all going to tune in later. We'll have you covered, okay? I'll be there. Mike Blewett will be there. Ariel Epstein will be there with a cast of thousands, making sure we have you covered live during the draft. Before we get into it, Kevin, you know, you're talking about the Giants being almost masterful in their things I read yesterday was the idea that they're really intrigued by the process of uh, Justin Herbert, the quarterback. I got to tell you the truth, Kevin, I don't buy it for a second because for them to go and get quarterback at that level, number four overall, it would be Mm -hmm. on some level also acknowledging that they made a mistake last year. I don't think that's what Dave Gettleman is trying to do. You know, and the other part is Daniel Jones had a decent rookie year. Okay, Mm -hmm. I mean, a couple of weak winning weeks in fantasy. You you mentioned my kind of fantasy background. And so why would they um, kind of use that pick at another mm-hmm. quarterback when they can holes to fill on this roster. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't really talked to a single person that's bought the Herbert rumor, right? right. They, everybody is like, ah, that's not a thing. You're just trying to strengthen your position. The thing is, it's really easy for me and you to say, 
because we're not either the Dolphins or the Chargers sitting at five yeah. or six who could be like, uh, could they could Gettleman really be this stupid? Let me just give him one extra asset. That way he doesn't take Herbert and I get up there and I get my guy. And and that's where again, like I'm I'm giving him credit. I did have a conversation with my brother, and he's like, I hope that they're not out thinking themselves because now like one of those teams is saying, well, we got to get to three because we got to jump the Giants sure. for a quarterback. Because now you've done a little bit too much if that ends up being the scenario. But no, I don't buy the Herbert thing. I think Daniel Jones had an encouraging enough rookie season. Like the the most, I think, obvious comparison is probably Jameis Winston, if you want to take, because it's just the amount of turnovers, but there's actually like exciting football within it. Like yeah. that's Jameis Winston is pretty much now seen. But the thing is, he played, what, 12 games, Daniel Jones? A lot more there for him to still be had. him would be a massive mistake to make. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, that you bring up this Winston, which is interesting with the turnovers. Daniel Jones was a lot more fumbles than interceptions, in my opinion. Yeah. But I would say the arrow is pointing up, or at least up enough, that you, you know, you play it out yeah. with Daniel Jones. He has that potential. You mentioned kind of he, he played about 11 or 12 games. And remember, some of those were without his running back, Saquon Barkley, who was dealing with the ankle injury for most mm-hmm. of the year as well. Now they get another shot at the apple. You mentioned Eli Apple, right? But hopefully with Saquon there, and in my opinion, with, an egg, with another beefy guy on the O-line mm-hmm. to block for Daniel Jones and to sure. open up holes for Saquon Barkley could be the way Dave Gettleman goes. But you're talking about this idea of the smoke screens, Kevin. You're talking about the idea of the potential of trades. We're going to be doing our mock draft or at least my mock draft here for the early line. And we're going to get your reactions to it, right? Mm-hmm. Kevin, as one of the guys who's been plugged into the draft and all the rumors and all the buzz and all the kind of combine performances. We don't have pro days. We don't have doctor's visits. But we're going to give you my mock draft and kind of get your response to it. To set the stage mm-hmm. for that, the first thing I want to ask you, Kevin, is do you expect trades, right? right? In all these mocks, you talk about teams needing to hop the Miami Dolphins and the Chargers yeah. at five and six if they're a quarterback needy team. There are some teams that I think may be looking to trade down or out of the first mm-hmm. round, the back part of it, right? Other teams that have Miami, whether you're Minnesota, whether you're the Raiders, whether you're Jacksonville, a lot of capital to kind of move around and get who you want. Do you think, though, Kevin, that given the times that we are in, that we may say, more trades than normal or less trades than normal? Because there's a part of me that thinks we may see less than normal because GMs are to put their reputations on the line given the limited information they have uh, going into draft season. Well, you know, that's funny. Is That's such that's such a smart way to, to think about it. And I've been more so even thinking about it from just the – almost game of phone tag that these front offices uh-huh. might have to play with one another because standpoint <laughs> I mean that the thing is like they didn't if I'm not mistaken they've not added extra time to the clock Correct. like 10 minutes has yeah. been, been 10 minutes and now instead of you know two teams being in the same room and everybody that has to be in on the decision it's all good where I just feel like you know if the Lions GM gets a call from the Dolphins GM who then has to call who then has to call back the Lions GM and has to call Ryan Flores, like that timeout. It makes me wonder, especially towards, let's say, the top 10, if there's a lot of deals kind of nearly hammered out right, where the, the Lions are like, listen, Burrow's one, Chase Young's two, we're going to be sitting here. Right. Dolphins, you want Tua, you're coming up here, what's the deal? And because there's no reason not to, to, to have those kind of things hammered out because you really want to try to mitigate all risks, I would say, considering this brand new setup that all of these teams are going to have to be embracing. Yeah, that makes sense to me, Kevin. I'm talking about it from the reputational aspect sure. of the GM, right? Remember going into this draft a few weeks ago, the GM subcommittee tried to appeal to Roger Goodell to kind of push it back. I'm, you know me, Kevin. I'm a cynical New Yorker. I believe that <laughs> part of this, they didn't have as it were. I think they could just check the tape. But in my opinion, you know, listen, 
Kevin, in, in three years, when the GM's on the hot seat, right? And they're saying, oh, only two of the picks from the last four years of the draft are even still on this roster. There's not going to be an asterisk, right? Being like, oh, but there was coronavirus in 2020. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the reputational risk to these GMs is already, you know, it's already a 50% proposition, even in the first round. But Kevin, if you go up and make a deal, you are sort of planting the flag that yeah. this is your guy and I am, you know, they have that saying, I'm tied to the hip on this. And so I don't know if you even want to kind of shove all in with these players when you haven't had the opportunity to bring them in for the medical, have them meet the coaches, you know, only seeing virtual drills, things of right. that nature. That's where I think it ties with red flags are really going to mm-hmm. be making a lot, this a lot harder on certain GMs, right? Like, to me, a Jerry Judy is – it's Jerry Judy. He's one of the best wide receiver prospects in this draft. But probably, you know, when you talk about, you know, 10 best wide receiving prospects in the past five years, he's, a, he's in that top ten. He's, he's a great, great talent. And it's just, yeah, if I want to trade up to, let's just, seven and get Jerry Judy, I don't think people are going to really bat an eye depending on your compensation. But Tua, who is to somewhat right. the most important player in this entire draft, right there <laughs> but the problem and, and this is the thing though with Tua is if one of these teams with you know this quarterback needed teams decide to go ah give me Herbert and Tua ends up being as good as people once strongly believed Tua would be right. it's the same side of it they're not gonna say oh I understand you didn't get to bring him in they're gonna go did you not watch him do whatever he wanted throughout his time at Bama yeah I think that is true I think there's um the, the idea of reputation harm by omission, though, I think is less than actually getting the guy and turning out uh, for that player to be a bust. But I hear what you're saying, right? Yeah. It's like 2020 on some of these picks. All right, so here's what we're going to do, Kevin, all right? I am going to give you my mock draft for all the listeners and fans here of the early line I have put together picks who, ironically, not all 32 teams actually pick trades and we'll talk about that as well but i know kevin that you are plugged into this and i want to see where you differ call me crazy where to react and as we go along maybe where you can highlight some value uh, sure. if you want to go on and you know go on over to partners on FanDuel and you know make a little bit of extra cash here um, on the draft you know what we are proposing here on sports grid we don't need the government checks kevin it's our own <laughs> to find that value. And listen, I personally, we hear the idea that, oh, the draft may start at number three. Oh, the draft may start at number six. And this is the idea of like, will someone trade with like, will someone trade with the Giants? The idea of leapfrogging the quarterback needy teams. I, I uh, Kevin, I actually think the first four picks are Pretty. Um, maybe part of what you were saying there, are teams going to actually have the time to pull the trigger and work out the details? Are they going to, you know, plant the flag and go on up and make a mm. deal? I actually don't think that happens in the first few picks. So let me outline when we still have a couple of minutes here in this sure. opening segment, the kind of first picks that I think will happen and feel free to, you know, tell me I'm crazy. So at number one, listen, uh, I think it's Joe Burrow, right? Yeah. I mean, Ohio kid, like. I got to tell you the truth, though, and I would like to get your thought on this. Kevin, a year ago, people didn't know who Joe Burrow was. You know what I mean? He kind of came out last year, honestly. I knew who Justin Herbert was. He was being yeah. favored comparatively, uh, I mean, comparatively favored to, uh, or, yeah, comparatively favored. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dwayne Haskins to Daniel Jones. I knew it. His title won the Rose Bowl, was the Senior Bowl MVP. Meanwhile, Joe Burrow was this this train. He lit the world on fire. I want to ask you: Do you believe that Joe Burrow's skill set translates to the next level, or was he just lucky to have you know Joe Brady making it happen for him? You know, it's 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 tough because the player that we saw this past season at LSU is probably the greatest single college football season ever, right? Like. I don't think that's really even hyperbole, like all things considered. Sure. Um, so that now has took it, and that's where it's so crazy, right? Because you think about like Mitch Trubisky really only had the one year at UNC, sure. but people like the intangibles and it gets that's him drafted. 
as the second overall pick. Yeah. I mean, for Mayfield, right? We knew Baker's name, but in terms of a draft prospect, we didn't think of it that way. The thing about Burrow is Burrow now comes in and is now this lock number one overall pick. You watch the games at LSU, and it's hard to come away with any other idea. And it's this is the thing is, okay, well, is everything Joe Brady? Or was this wide receiver core, you know, Justin Jefferson was going to be a first-round pick? How much of it is – right, how much of it is this? And it's one of these things where, unfortunately, just three years from now, whether it's the Bengals are picking in the top five again or – the Panthers have now decided to move on finally from Matt Rule and Joe Brady in Carolina because teams are so impatient. And it, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, Joe Burrow was everything at LSU. I, I definitely think there's a lot of talent there. And I think one of the things that he constantly kind of in his skill set is what he has as an athlete. Like he constantly was able to extend plays and then make the corresponding throw after extending the play. So that why, like to me, I don't like to get into the funny business and the hot things within the draft. Anything of Burrow not being the first overall pick, like I'm not all too interested. He's the first pick. It's what it yeah, is. I agree with you. So do the books. Our friends at FanDuel right now literally have it at minus 100,000 that he is going to be the number one overall pick. So I hear you. And to be honest, if you want to make a little bit of extra cash, I actually believe Andy Dalton will still be there to be his mentor, to be the baton on at 11 to one. Uh, nice. Go nice. when the, uh, when the rumors also think number two is pretty much a fait accompli. You talk about Chase Young going to Washington. I know that their phone has started to burn off the hook, mm-hmm. but you got new head coach Ron Rivera me that I can get an edge rusher that at Ohio State was better than Joey Boza, better than Nick Boza, and those two certainly translate. Give me what I think is the best overall football player in the draft, regardless of positional value. I think it's easy connect the dots, Chase Young, to the Washington football team at number two, right? Yeah, I think the biggest thing with them and taking Chase Young at two is they can't really play this game of let's trade back and Chase Young is still going to be there. Because if the Lions don't take him at three, which is plausible the the, the the giants make him their guy at four and now oh. not only have you outthought yourself to some degree you've allowed him to go to a division rival and maybe fill their biggest need in terms of a pure edge rusher when it comes to the new york giants so that's why i think they're yeah we've got this draft and we got him at two let's make it happen let's make him our guy absolutely i i, I don't think there's going to be any big-time surprises at the top two. Once we get to three, it may start changing. We'll come back and talk about SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Our line, Dan Martinez, and no, that is not Joe Ranieri. It is Kevin Walsh filling in as we start to look a little bit at the draft, NFL draft later on this week. Kevin, we were we got to the first two picks, right? And we don't think like, wow, it could be the smokescreen of all smokescreens if Cincinnati goes in a different direction or if Washington yeah. does decide that they're open for business, but. That kind of ready-made franchise caliber players that can be a face of their franchise for the next decade. Number two, I also think especially, Kevin, you know, the idea that uh, Ron Rivera brought in Kyle Allen to kind of help compete in that quarterback room, I think they're going defense, right? Yeah, I don't really think a quarterback makes much sense for them because you have to find out more about Haskins. I don't think that uh, Washington is a, is a team that needs to be rushing the rebuild right like so if 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 haskins is rolled out there again and guess what now you're potentially in this zone where a lot of teams are going to want to be not only trevor Lawrence, justin fields like it's i'll I'll quickly say it's one of the things you talked about right is you when when you compare this year's quarterback class you knew justin herbert you knew a tongue of uh, here comes joe burrow the thing about next year's quarterback class is we already know Trevor Lawrence, and we already know Justin Fields. You then account for a guy who's going to come out of nowhere. And it wouldn't surprise me if next year's quarterback class is viewed as a 
can't miss quarterback group. A, a lot closer to uh, two, three years prior where five guys went, the yeah. Lamar, Sam Darnold year. Yeah, Darnold, Baker, Rosen, Lamar year, Josh Allen actually mm-hmm. doing almost the best of all of those. I guess Lamar not. Yeah. Fair enough. So at three then, a lot of people think this could be where the fireworks start to fly, right? Could a team trade with the Detroit Lions to maybe go get their quarterback? I don't see it that way. Uh, Kevin, in my mock, what I have for the Detroit Lions, I have them going defense places they can go, all right? However, in my opinion, this is a team that was literally, Kevin, number 32 and last in the league to pass. And what have they done in the offseason? They turn around <laughs> and move their number one quarterback, cornerback, Darius Slay, uh-huh. over to the Philadelphia Eagles. I think if we connect the dots, the pick for me is Jeff Akuda, the cornerback out of Ohio State. I think this is what makes sense. I think it's a replacement. Akuda right in there for Slay to address mm-hmm defenses in the entire NFL. For me, the Lions take Akuda at number three. Yeah, I think the Akuda pairing with the Detroit Lions is about as simple as the Burrow pairing to the Cincinnati Bengals. I think the question is, one, we know how willing they are to trade back. And I think part of that is their belief that they'd be able to get Okuda, either it be five or six, because that's really where you would assume they'd be looking to trade back, because the growing belief with the Giants is Okuda it wouldn't be pretty much the pick for them at four. And then if, if they have been going for about six, and if they – yeah, exactly, exactly. But now it's really getting interesting. And, again, we talked about it kind of in the opening segment with what the Giants have been able to do. The Jaguars reportedly love Okuda, makes all the sense in the world. Everybody views him as the top corner. You then compound that by them losing Jalen Ramsey now for a full season. They lost A.J. Boye. And, and now the Lions have to sit there and go – so if we trade back to five, you really mean to tell me the Jaguars are going to come up to four and we're going to lose Okuda? And that's a tough spot. It's a real tough spot they could potentially find themselves in. I really believe there ends up being a trade is they want one desperately. And I think when a team desperately wants to trade back, I think that it, like, it, it really then makes it a lot more likely because then they're asking – probably needy teams. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and this is the calculated risk, right, that teams have to figure out. Can I drop down and still get my guy or still be okay with the either-or position, right? If I like three guys on the board still and I trade down six picks, well, am I sure that I'll be able to have one of them still falling in my lap when I do, in fact, make the pick? I think the Detroit Lions stand pat. I think Jeff Mm -hmm. Kuda is pick at number three. That means we go to the New York football giants, right? And we're here in New York for this. I've heard some, we've talked about, you know, you mentioned the player. I think, listen, if you want to make last year's number six pick look good, you have to protect him, okay? And all my picks, you know, coming up in the first round, where we see those big offensive tackles go off the board, the consistent theme for me, Kevin, is the idea that you have to get protection for a young developing quarterback. The Giants are in that space, and when we look at the top, what I'm seeing, okay, Wills and Wirfs are a slight cut ahead of Becton and Thomas, because I see Becton and Thomas as um, what they call the bigger road grader types, right? The run blockers, where I think that Wills and Wirfs are a little bit more agile, have the ability to pull um, on running plays, you know, more of that quote-unquote dancing bear. I think mm. Wills and Wirfs are the two, and for Gettleman, Specifically, I think a Nick Saban endorsement matters here. Uh, Saban has been very high on Jedrick Wills and saying that he will translate well to be an NFL starter. I think that is the pick for the New York Giants. I'm having them taking Jedrick Wills, the tackle, out of Alabama. I think the Nick Saban recommendation uh, moves the needle here. So I'm connecting the Giants to Wills at number four. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's probably not just Gettleman trusting Saban, but it's also Joe Judge who once coached sure. at Bama, and they, he was one of the big things that's kind of pushed people in this direction was him saying we have to rely on the contacts that we have because this is such a unique draft process. And instantly, everyone's like, "Oh, Nick Saban is what you're referring to, Joe Judge," because like that's your obvious contact. What's really something that again, and this is why the, the giant Dave Gettleman to me has been terrible at his job like terrible at his job right so now to watch him at four like yeah i want 
Tristan, I'm actually here for Justin. It's again, I've been impressed by it. I guess the the question I almost turned back to you is, do you believe that he has changed his mind this many times? Because he feels like the guy who goes, no, I know. Who. I think that's what happened with Daniel Jones last year. He fell in love with Daniel Jones, and he went, yeah, I don't care. I'm taking where they selected, right? Even though people thought they would be able to get him at 19, wherever that second pick they had in the first round was. I think that's one of the things, man, with this giant stuff that's really, really kind of had me guessing. And it's made me wonder if they've gotten better smoke screens. And Isaiah Simmons, who was kind of the first guy, I think, that we saw that real buzz come for. Mm-hmm. Um, especially you looked at it with FanDuel. He was like plus 300. And then in a day, he was like the favorite at plus 110. I yeah. still think there's a really fair chance that Isaiah Simmons ends up being the guy at four. Interesting. Um, I, I what he wants, and I think the rest is smokescreen, Kevin. I really do. Yeah. I, I can't trust a damn word I hear out of anybody over the last month. And I think that, if anything, what's putting it out there is just m- maybe sweetening the trades that may uh, that they may want to entertain. Yeah. But I, they need to go offensive line. And also, here's the other thing. You know, you talk about Isaiah Simmons. About the familiarity idea, right? Well, the new DC here uh, for the Giants was the linebackers coach for the Green Bay Packers. And what do you know? They've signed two former Packer linebackers in the offseason already. Blake Martinez, and I forgot the other name. Relying on their previous context, sure. I think Getman is just putting out the smokescreen. I think, you know, they're going to keep it simple, and it is Wills at number four. And the book would agree with me over at FanDuel, Kevin. They have Jedrick Wills now as the mighty five favorite, then Wirfs wow. at 50. And now Isaiah Simmons is five to one if you see who the uh, will be at our friends over on FanDuel. Jedrick Wills is now the favorite at minus 175. The position of O-lineman is now a heavy favorite at minus 400. So then, Kevin, we get to the Miami. <laughs> and here's where I think, you know, all hell is going to break loose, right? Uh, whether it be whoever they pick, whoever falls, the phones will be ringing, the charges are ready to pounce. Don't we have not had this conversation yet, Kevin, um, about all the stuff going out there, the Tua versus Herbert. Um, in my mock, I have the Miami Dolphins at number five overall, taking the quarterback out of Oregon, Justin Ooh. Herbert, Kevin. Ooh. I buy the flags on Tua. I buy the flags on Tua from the health perspective. We talked a little bit about the increased risk, given the fact that he doesn't have a pro day, given the fact that you couldn't have your own doctors check him out. And here's the other thing. Honestly, name me the last Alabama <laughs> to the NFL. No, I'm serious, okay? This is a six-foot guy, okay? And I'm not big on the height necessarily. There are plenty of short quarterbacks out in the NFL that are successful. And Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, it's doable. For me, though, okay, at Alabama, you have basically an NFL offensive line in front of you, okay? You have two wide receivers who, in this mock, are going in the top, like, 20 picks, okay? And I think you just have all the advantages. I think the durability, but the ankles as well. I see Justin Herbert as your more, quote-unquote, prototypical quarterback with the arm strength. All in the Rose Bowl, Kevin, was he had some agility. He was able to kind of, you know, zone read and get out of the pocket a little bit. I think ultimately the Miami Dolphins go Justin Herbert. I know that there could be a lot of smoke speaking for Tua for the better part of two years. But I think the pick here is Justin Herbert. I think he is flying up people's boards. And I buy some of the flags on Tua. Talk to me about your Tua versus kind of analysis. So, and, and kind of, you're like, oh, Kevin, don't tell me where I'm crazy. You're not crazy, right? But I will offer some pushback on huh? one, one point in particular. And I think in terms of Bama quarterbacks, right, and flooding the league with talent at that position, it's just not a thing, right? But there's a reason. Also, it's not as if they continually are putting first-round busts out there. We just don't even entertain their quarterback prospects. Sure. That's where Tua, to me, is different. Tua, was as much a part of that team being the unstoppable force that it was and 
as that offensive line, of course, that has all the talent in the world, as well as, you know, again, you mentioned the two wide receivers that are both top 20 at worst going to be selections. Uh, and then don't forget, oh, yeah, there's like 25 Alabama defensive players that will get drafted in this draft. Uh, like, there's, there's no doubt about it. But I, that, this is where, to me, to has separated himself in terms of the talent. I think with the Dolphins, and it, it ties in nicely where you're kind of talking about the reputation of it all. And I think if they have to go out there and trade up for two, I think that becomes a little bit more frustrating because part of it is, um, and you know this as a Yankees fan, right? Whenever the Yankees are involved in trade rumors, everybody else has to give up like their fourth overall prospect. But the Yankees, they want Glaber Torres. Right. And it's like, what are we doing here? Where the, the Chargers would have to probably give up, you know, a day two, maybe two day two selections. When it comes to the Dolphins, they're like, Oh, how about you've got two other first-round picks. Let's let's start making noise. And I think, personally, I've gone the other way with it. I think it's a lot of noise. I think that they want people to not believe the hype. I think they want to lull the Chargers that they could sit there at six and come away with Tua Tunga Bailoa. And I, I just think that they're they you they've been tank for Tua right before we knew that Burrow was a thing. They then went from the worst football team anybody's ever seen to beating the Patriots and Foxborough and ruining their season, which was incredible. But here they still are with this opportunity to draft to a Tonga Bailoa, and I just think it's going to be one that is too much for them to pass up on. That's fair. That's fair. Listen, I mean, you know, we have seen a lot of movement, though, on the books, right? The, uh, whether yeah. – there's a the most. bet on Herbert versus Tua. Tua started off, his prop bet started off at two and a half. Will mm-hmm. he be drafted at, uh, earlier or later than that? I've seen it now all the way to half, Kevin. So there's definitely been some movement, some cool, but then again, it all a smokescreen. We shall see. Um, so I have them going Herbert. I got to tell you, Kevin, at number six, this is where I shock everybody for the first time. My mock. We only got a couple of minutes, so let me lay it out there. And then when we get on the other side of the break, I want to get your reaction. Um, I don't, but I am a, a closet Chargers. Okay. I, I always believe in the Chargers. I believe in this roster. I know they're snake bitten. They have injuries. Their kicker can't hit a field goal like Rivers <laughs> throws YOLO balls. But I am a fan of their roster, Kevin. I think. Okay. I'm always an overbetter on them. I like the Chargers. And here's the other thing. I think they're a win-now roster. I think they've made moves in the offseason, signaling that they think their window is right now. They bring in a Linval Joseph to stop the, help the running game. They bring in a Chris Harris. Okay, both of these guys on the wrong yeah. side of 30 that, to me, are win-now moves. There was buzz about Anthony Lynn being on the hot seat. Um, you know, he had experience with in Buffalo because this is a very unique year, Kevin, where you also have other options at quarterback behind door number two. They're named Cam Newton. They're named Jameis Winston. If you want to go, because of all that, Kevin, I believe that the Los Angeles Chargers eschew the idea of taking a first-round quarterback and to attack Valoa because this would then be, you know, waiting for him to develop. I think they're looking now and for me, and I know not many other people have this. I have the Chargers drafting Isaiah Simmons for all the linebacker. Think about this, Kevin, with Boza and Ingram on the edges. The secondary may be one of the best in the NFL. They have all the weapons they need on offense, okay? I don't drop a rookie quarterback in there with injury concerns to try to be the guy. I get that defense to become even better. Can you imagine... Kevin, that defense with Isaiah Simmons and Derwin James as movable chess pieces anywhere they want. I think Cam Newton's phone starts ringing mm. Sunday or Jameis Winston's phone starts to fight it out with Terod. I know not many people think this, but I strike when the iron is hot. I believe their window is open right now. I think they get better with their actual starting 22 if they go Isaiah Simmons at the linebacker level to try to be cherry on top for that defense. We don't have a lot of time. I want to let you have you marinate on that for a little uh, bit. We come back on the other side. I need a minute. 
no problem. When they come back on the other side of the break, I believe that the Chargers eschew the idea of Tua and address their quarterback need in a different way. You have never had Pro Bowl caliber quarterbacks on the street unemployed because of some of the other moving parts here. This is my big-time surprise. Tua falls. The Chargers go get Isaiah Simmons at number six overall. We'll see what Kevin Walsh thinks about that on the other side of the break. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid. Come on back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody, welcome back here on the early line on SportsGrid, giving you the edge as we head into the NFL draft later on this week. I kind of let go of one of my biggest surprises in my first round mocks right before we went to break, Kevin. I have the Chargers in win-now mode with a head coach that had a little bit of a hot seat with a roster that... And to me, also, Kevin, listen, they signed two 30-year-old guys that they spent money on to kind of address the defense. That speaks of win now to me. Whether Terod is the guy or not, they can bring in free agent market. Guys like Cam Newton, Jameis Winston. And if you get the best quarterback play of that set of quarterbacks, I think it will be an improvement over what you got from Phillip Rivers last year. And then I think this team could be a playoff contender right off the bat especially if you get a guy like Isaiah Simmons as a Swiss Army knife in the middle of that defense. I don't know that the rookie is the right direction for the Chargers. You know, it's really interesting. And I think the idea of this team being more win now, right, is is definitely – it's more than understandable, right? Like they were one of the teams that a lot of people were expecting to be in the playoffs last year, but it was easy to see how things would kind of go the other direction. I believe every loss, though – and think about this for a team that's picking sixth overall – I think was within a, was a one score football game. Yeah. Um, Philip Rivers and and the back breaking you know interceptions were, I mean it was nauseating. I, I'd have to imagine for a fan. I think the, the the tough thing though is right for a football team like this is the question is always when are we going to be drafting this high again? Ideally never. And we have right. a lot of talent here, and we believe in Tyrod Taylor. And, yes, it'd be great to add a premium talent like an Isaiah Simmons to our already stacked defense. Or even potentially grab, uh, you know, another tackle, right? I believe Russell Okung was moved out this offseason. And Andrew uh, wanted to get stronger at, at that position. I just think the allure of being able to you know, potentially get the next franchise quarterback for this team makes sense. Now, the thing is, I'm more than open to the idea – of saying their next franchise quarterback could be on the market, a Cam Newton, a Jameis Winston. The problem is that's been available for them this whole time, and it's not happened. And, like, the idea that those two guys are not going to be on rosters come opening day is crazy to think, but it's just – if they don't budge off their contract demands or their idea that they need to be the starting quarterback – it's going to be a, you know, a kind of tug of war, I guess, in terms of, you know, who wants to concede what. Ultimately, to me, where I, I can't see this full scenario playing out is I think the Chargers love Tua. And I feel like if in this scenario where Tua falls to them, I think they'd have to pull it. I will say this. You have now completely fully sold me into this mock because we kind of talked about the quarterbacks could fall. Yeah. And I was thinking even more so in the Jordan Love range. I now can't wait to see where Tua goes. <laughs> well, we will answer that question in the next segment. Um, because now remember, <laughs> in this mock, as this is happening now at number seven and number eight, other quarterback needy teams see Tua still on the board. So maybe yeah. this is when they pick up the phone. I hear what you're saying. The idea to get the next franchise guy is incredibly alluring. And it always is. I just don't know if Tua is the guy. And remember, there are a lot of books out there that have Tua falling. And I completely acknowledge that this is a slightly off the beaten path. You even talk about if they did, you know, not go quarterback, could they go offensive line? And that is definitely something I've seen as well. They did bring in Ryan Beluga, I believe, the tackle out Mm -hmm. of A in the free agent market. So they 
I've done some work on the offense. But let's keep it going. And now remember, though, here, Kevin, now Isaiah Simmons is off the board. Not. So at number seven, the Carolina Panthers, I think the Carolina Panthers hoping Isaiah Simmons is there. I sure. think that is the pick they want to make. That would be like a little replacement for Luke Keekley. I think they would be happy if Simmons was there, but he is not. I also think they would be happy if the cornerback that they wanted was there. Remember, they lost Bradbury in free agency going over to the New York football giants. I think, however, they take another big stud on the defensive line. This is where I think Derek Brown out of Auburn goes, okay? For me, Carolina has done a ton already on offense, right? New owner Tepper is spending that money, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, whether it's buying out Matt Rule, whether it's getting Robbie Anderson in free agency. I think they need to address the defensive side of the ball. And Derek Brown is the stud on defense that is still left. That's where I think he's going. Now, you may think it's Simmons because he's still on the board there. But what do you think about the prospects of Derek Brown, the tackle out of Auburn? No, I love it. And I think that there's an argument to be made that their defensive line is than their need for a linebacker. And a while back, I actually did a top 10 mock draft on the, the YouTube channel. I've mentioned it a thousand times because I feel like I'm correct. Um, so I like to talk about it. But that's props that are available to FanDuel Sportsbook. And those were props, I guess, where I, I should have looked even further than I did. But if you got in early enough, there's real opportunity there. And the Panthers were plus 112 to take defense. Really? And I looked at it. Yeah. And I said, Isaiah Simmons is the pick if he's there. And if it's not Isaiah Simmons, I'm pretty sure it's Derek Brown. Right. And obviously, right, like a similar thought process for you. It's yeah. now minus like 400 or minus higher. 400. I just gave another look. Right now, yeah. Carolina's minus 400 to go defense plus 280. It's completely, you know, moved in that direction. And, you know, I guess, you know, as we get closer to the draft, right, people are looking to hit these things on, on a more regular basis. But, right. I mean, I couldn't agree more. That's, to me, the situation where ideally they could be – I think for them they'd like to take I.S. Simmons. But they have no problem taking Derrick Brown there. And I think that's kind of the thing where if you're Derrick Brown, you're sitting there hoping Isaiah Simmons comes off the board in the top six, as he has in this mock. Because now, if he doesn't go seven, I think his range is a little bit more in question. Interesting. I hear that, right? If not Carolina, then where? That is a very interesting question. But I have Derrick Brown going number seven to the Panthers. At number eight, Remember what I said about offensive linemen, Kevin. You need to protect the young ascending quarterbacks, and that's what I think the Arizona Cardinals do at number eight. I got to tell you, Kevin, I think the Cardinals could be that hot, sexy team this year that take kind of a step forward, especially for fantasy purposes. Think about, you know, Kyler Murray in year two. You bring it in DeAndre Hopkins, still have Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk, who I think takes a step forward, and Kenyon Drake performed incredibly well in that offensive scheme for Cliff Kingsbury. I think they protect Kyler Murray at number eight overall. I have them getting Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. I think he is the second best offensive lineman on the board. I think this is the need for Arizona. This is an easy connect the dots pick for me. I have Wirfs going to the Cardinals at eight. This is the pick that I would make. I, and I, it's the, the pick that makes the most sense in the world. I guess the one caveat I'd throw out there is that there are apparently some rumors that Kyler Murray is trying to push them in the direction of C.D. Lamb. And the Oklahoma connection makes all the sense in the world. Wide receiver was their biggest need before the DeAndre Hopkins trade. And as much as Hopkins, Larry Fitz, and Christian Kirk is more than enough to be considered one of the best wide receiving cores in football, what we know about the Cliff Kingsbury offense is, in an ideal world for him, it's a lot of four wide receiver sets. And you know what? Look, again, I I go offensive line, but if all of a sudden they're throwing out four wide receiver sets of CeeDee Lamb, DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitz, and Christian Okay. Yeah, I think that. But remember also, though, Kevin, last year, they also drafted Hakeem Butler, I believe, in the second round. They also drafted Andy Isabella, I believe, in the first round. You know, so I I hear you, and wow, that would be nice and amazing, right? Yeah. I I just don't know if you have one of these kind of blue-chip O-linemen still there. Do you kind of go and get a new fancy, shiny toy when you've already just gotten DeAndre Hopkins in the last month? So that's interesting to me, but I think the prudent pick is to go O-line. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it just would be interesting to see if potentially Kyler Murray has enough swing already to basically push them, and he's getting Oklahoma dudes drafted in the top ten. That's interesting. Does he have the juice becomes the question. But I think it's O-line for the cards at eight. At number nine, 
Okay, now, Kevin, we're going to put a lot of things together. <laughs> you, set, you set the tab. All right, here we go. Right. I like it. I like it. That's right. So remember, Tua Tagovailoa is still on the board in this mock. And you know, one of the things you mentioned, Kevin, is for a team to drop down, they would have to still um, be able to think that they can get the player they want wherever they fall. So I believe that Jacksonville here, I believe the that they like, the player that they will ultimately draft, Kevin, is C.J. Henderson, the cornerback out of Florida, okay? Um, that's who I think they want. You talked about them having Ramsey and Bouye. I mean, they don't have Clayus Campbell anymore either, but when that defense was strong, they had shut down corners. I think C.J. Henderson is profiling to be one of the greatest athletes at that position in this draft and maybe the best press man corner in this draft. However... The other thing you said was, you know, could they still get that guy if they move back? When I look at Cleveland, when I look at the Jets at 10 and 11, I think both of them are targeting the same position, and it's not the position Jacksonville wants. So here is my first, my real blockbuster trade of this mock. I have, Kevin, the Jacksonville Jaguars trading down and another team trading up to number nine to make this pick, and it is ultimately to attack Valoa. You want to know who it is, Kevin? I'd love to know who it is. I have it as the leaders making this move, Kevin, okay? They're, I actually interviewed uh, John Sheeran, the director on FanDuel, the director of FanDuel uh, about last week, and he said this is the biggest liability they have, okay? The biggest liability they have, Detroit or the Raiders wind up mm -hmm. with Tua, and that is some of the buzz he's getting. Now that um, Gruden is not sold on car, is something we have heard um, throughout this offseason, okay? Sure. The idea that Mariota comes in and could be a similar style of quarterback as Tua is something I find interesting. I also know, Kevin, that the Raiders two, but three third-round picks, and I believe the trade could be number 12 overall and one of the third-round picks to move up three spots to go to number nine and take mm -hmm. Tua Tagovailoa. I don't think he's sold on car. I don't think Mariota moves the needle. What I also know is that this franchise is moving to Las Vegas and getting a little bit of buzz, and how do you do that by dropping Tua into this quarterback room? I actually think Derek Carr is the quarterback on the outs in Las Vegas. I think Carr is the one not long for this organization. I could see it being Mariota as the bridge ultimately to Tua, but in one of the biggest moves I have in my mock, I have the Raiders being that mystery team that sees Tua still on the board and falling, has the assets and the capital to go up and get it. I have the Raiders making the number ninth overall pick and have it being Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah, I think Jacksonville trading back in this scenario can make a lot of sense because they, maybe more than any team in the entire league, feels like they're entering a true rebuild. Right. Comparable, I guess, to last year's Miami team. And them being able to trade back makes all the sense. If push came to shove, the Raiders are one of those teams that you've mentioned that have two first-round selections, or more than one first-round, I guess we should uh, put it as that, too, where if they wanted to come up, um, they absolutely could make that kind of noise. The thing with the Raiders that is really – I've struggled with a lot is yeah. the fact that they still have Derek Carr on this roster. They, they made Marcus Mariota a decent enough amount of money to make you think that he is going to be competing with Carr. And if you bring Tua in, it just – what's the plan? Is Derek Carr – Yeah, it's, it's, it's possible. Because here's the thing is then but, – but are there any trade prospects? have to cut us and that's like listen this team that i'm having them make a trade with in this mock they could use a veteran quarterback now couldn't they uh, yeah no i i don't just i don't disagree one bit the problem is just from a pure leverage standpoint right, right. if they draft Tua and they're like all right who wants Derek carr yeah here's our seventh yeah. round like comp pick you're yeah. lucky you even are sniffing that i i think that's to where and that's where the, the raiders thing gets interesting i'll throw you one though i'll say this would not shock me if Tua starts to make the fall that this is where Belichick then says, yeah, no problem. Right. We're going we're gonna to go crazy and we're getting up there. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? There's been some mocks that I've seen, some, some people that I trust that believe that like Tua could fall, right? And in the scenario mm -hmm. where the Chargers make pick, right, if, if, if Carolina's on the board at seven, okay, and, and Tua is still there, 
boy, oh boy, our phone's going to start ringing. You sure. Know? And so then we got to think, who are the teams that may be in that market who do have the draft capital? So I find it interesting. To finish up this segment, I have Jacksonville moving back down to 12, right? And the reason mm-hmm. I think they can take that calculated risk and go to 12 and feel like their stud cornerback would still be there, I'm talking about C.J. Henderson out of Florida, is because I believe, Kevin, and I want to get your quick thoughts on this, that Cleveland at number 10 and the Jets at number 11, I think those are the teams that get the last two offensive linemen of the big group of four, right? So Becton and Thomas, I call it, or Thomas and Becton, I think Cleveland needs to, uh, you know, protect Baker Mayfield. And I think they could do so with Becton or Thomas. And the same narrative holds true for the Jets at number 11. I see Joe Douglas. He is prioritizing the offensive line. They've seen guys, whether it's Fan, Van Roten, McGovern, uh, rebringing in yeah. Alex Lewis. I think they want to revamp the offensive line and giving Sam, give Sam Darnold a good chance to actually ascend, which many people still believe is still possible for Sam Darnold. I know a lot of people think the Jets go wide receiver. I just think yeah. there will be too much talent still left for them when they pick at number 48 overall. I'm going to be very interested to see what names mm-hmm. are there. I think Jackson down to 12 they can still get Henderson and I have the two remaining offensive linemen going 10 and 11 to Cleveland and the Jets yeah I think for the Browns this is they're going to be drafting they're their their team that's also getting back right and I think you know they're benefiting from the Jets potentially being a team that could look wide receiver and if a team like the Broncos wants to get up and get in front of them, then that's what they're going to have to do. I ultimately, I think they do take an offensive lineman. And again, I think to some degree, Becton, Thomas, uh, you could see it going in any scenario. And right. I think for the Jets, everything that you're saying makes all the sense in the world, especially if they come up on the clock and the three of the four are gone. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and like, now it's either do you want to start the wide receiver run or do you right. want to lock in the last elite tackle? And I think for them, that tackle would be a more attractive pressurely when you consider the depth of the wide receiver class and the likelihood it's available to them the next time they're on the clock. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Kevin. I think that's what it is, right? It comes down to an interesting little mini game of supply and demand when yep. you are the clock and I believe that the supply will still be there for the Jets early and in the middle of the second round okay so we've gotten through the first 12 I've gotten some of my big moves in we get Kevin's reactions to the middle when we come back back live no it is not it is the early line <laughs> right here on sports grid I do so SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 